Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, I like you, like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. Raina Doris is a radio personality. But her superpower is making people comfortable and getting them to talk about themselves in a way where you really get to know them. She has worked for years in Canada at the CBC. She's from Toronto. She's risen through the ranks of radio to the point where now she, as of late last year, became the third full-time host in the illustrious history of World Cafe, an NPR radio program based out of Philadelphia, She had relocated to Philadelphia, though during the pandemic. She's back home in Toronto. It was from there that she spoke to me via Ethernet cables and scary technology. But it was great. She and I had a couple of weeks earlier done a World Cafe interview where the tables were more traditional. I was, (laughs) they were turned the traditional direction. I was the guest. She was the host. But for Wheels Off, she agreed to be the guest and let me be the host. And it was really interesting being able to pick her brain about the creativity that it takes to build a narrative as the director of an interview, as an interviewer. How do you get someone to open up? How do you dig in? How do you rise through the ranks of this weird job? It's a lot more creative than I even imagined when I asked her if she would let me pick her brain. And she was so generous and interesting and cool. I'm so glad that I got to have her in the Wheels Off world. And I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to this interview. So please welcome to Wheels Off, Raina Duras. Welcome to Wheels Off, Raina Doris. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me, letting me turn the tables on you. Yeah, I think this is the first time someone I've interviewed has come back and interviewed me. So it's really exciting. Well, having been the subject of one of your interviews, you're great and you're gentle and yet probing all the things that you want out of an interviewer. Thank you. Um. But so, yes, so that was for, as I mentioned, I'm sure in the introduction, that was for World Cafe. And um, I'm assuming that's probably your main gig right now. But uh, tell our listeners what uh, creative project you're working on right now and how it lights you up. I mean, that really is. It's true that that is my my main big thing. Um, I've always also written and I draw and I do that kind of stuff. I, it's like it's this dream I've always had to put together a book of poetry, which um, it's 
it's something that I'm like, oh, I should be able to do that in my spare time, no problem. And I still haven't gotten around to finishing it or doing it. I've been keeping journals since I was a little kid. And I have basically everything I've ever written up until like right now saved in notebooks. And so every now and then I'll think, hey, I'm going to go through this, pick out my favorite stuff, edit it down. And then, you know, it's a lot easier said than done because there's so much of it. Well, and you're and you're working. I mean, you've got a big job and it takes a lot of work. Does um so you're you are a member of the media Mm -hmm. and um does it ever freak you out like the idea of staying in your lane do you ever feel like you shouldn't be doing poetry or art because of the your other job you know what it's almost the opposite like what freaks me out is staying in only my lane and not doing all those other things that i would like to do or pursuing those other interests um i'm so fortunate to have this really really cool gig but it does take up a lot of my time so that's sort of a thing like it's it's weird when you get used to doing radio shows every day and i've i've done them for you know about a decade now uh and in different forms at the end of the day there are days where it feels like okay i just went to like my job i went to my my work and you can forget sometimes that like you made something you did all this writing and you performed it and you you made a show um and you can get home and be like well what what creative things am i doing it's like oh i just did that all day <laughs> but like yeah it's uh, i guess that's sort of yeah, I worry sometimes that I'm not, you know, giving myself the space to to make more other stuff because I, I do like doing it. It's funny. I wonder to what extent the sort of ephemeral nature of radio, how it, it happens and then it's gone. Does that sort of bother you and make you feel like it's not as substantial as maybe it really is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was definitely I mean, it's something that I love about World Cafe is that those interviews stay online Um We have a podcast. You can hear them later. When I did live radio for years and years, that really did kind of drive me a little nuts. There's great things about it because you're really in the moment. It's super current. There's the adrenaline rush of doing live radio. But when it's done, like you said, it's done. Like it's over. And if you didn't catch it, you didn't catch it. And that's that. And so, yeah, I remember being, I feel like a couple of years ago, I remember kind of having that realization where I was like, I don't have like a body of work to show anyone. It's not like I've written a bunch of articles or I've written a bunch of songs that are on on an album. You know, I know I've done the work and people know that I've done the work when they hear the show, but there's nothing to kind of like hold in your hand. There's no sort of tangible result of that stuff. Um, So yeah, it does feel like that sometimes. Boy, thank goodness for the archived nature now of World Cafe because it stacks up. And I think also, you know, I, I've basically for my entire career, I've had the internet. Uh, so, you know, you've got social media, you've got anything you put online kind of stays there forever. Um, so in a way, it's like I, I'm lucky in that way where everything that I have done is sort of recorded in some way or another uh, on online somewhere. So when you were starting, did you think about I mean, was was radio something that was on your radar really early? Did you have an epiphany moment where you're like, I'm going to do radio? Or was this something that you backed into? Um, there's kind of, it's sort of a weird answer to that. I always knew I wanted to be like on somewhere mm-hmm. in some capacity. Um, when I was a kid for a long time, I wanted to be an actor. That was like my big ambition. Um, and I remember in high school, I was real loudmouth uh, with a lot of opinions. Nothing's changed. Um, And uh, I guess I was like, you know, talking about stuff in my economics class. 
and the morning show host from the CBC at the time, which is the Canadian Public Broadcasting uh, Corporation, they were coming into our high school to talk to kids about something that was going on. And my teacher said, hey, Raina, you've got a lot to say about everything. Do you want to <laughs> go on this? They're looking for kids to talk. And I remember going on and, and just being like, oh, I love this. Um, but it didn't fully click that I wanted to do radio specifically until later. I went to school for radio and television broadcasting. Um, and I was kind of open to, you know, whatever that led to. Um, and I remember there was an internship that came up for the station that I'd listened to like my whole life. And I was just at that same time sort of making a lot of friends in the like indie rock world in Toronto. And it kind of, that's sort of where it clicked. It was like, okay, I'm going to start on the street team, go to concerts, give out high fives and free samples to people. And, uh, and then it kind of grew from there. It was like, I started a video blog there and then I ended up on air there and yeah, so it was kind of both. Like I knew I wanted to be on. I didn't necessarily know radio was exactly what I wanted to do. Um, but then it, when it happened, it was like, oh, this is this is what I want. Because when I did the TV stuff in school, not that I, you know, I have nothing against TV, but um, I remember being in like one of our courses was like on location shooting, and I was like, Ugh, this takes forever. I'm like, you have to bring all your gear. You have to make sure you look good. You have to like take a million takes of everything. And with radio, it's like you sit down and you go. And I love that sort of spontaneity of it. God, I love that. Did you ever end up doing any acting? Um, you know, I did like lots in high school and I did do, you know, I guess, I mean, that was probably, it feels like I did it later than that, but I don't know if I actually did. I know I was like super into it. Like drama was my thing in high school. I remember I like directed and acted in our like final year play. Like I adapted the movie Empire Records for the stage, which wow. I'm sure if I went back and looked at that <laughs> script now would be really something. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that was really, I guess, kind of the end of like my acting. I did some, I've done some voice work, but mostly just like commercial stuff. Um but yeah, it's always something that I still think about, like doing voice, like like cartoon work, stuff like that. I would love to maybe get into that eventually uh, or like video game voicing. How cool would that be? Oh, my God. And it's such a good gig, too. I've got friends that do it and they just show up and you don't have to worry about how you look or you just go. I mean, you roll up in your pajamas and do your day's work. Oh, yeah, it's, so it's fun. It's kind of like doing this show right now uh, while we're all at home. <laughs> I'm just like sitting here in socks while I'm talking to you. <laughs> it's funny because I, I mean, I guess when when it's with singers, you can sort of point to things that make a voice a good voice. And um, I do have a handful of friends that do radio like you. And, and I think you have such a great voice, but I couldn't even tell you why. I mean, it's just it's rich, sonorous. I don't know. Like, Thank did you, you work on that? Is that something you took classes for? How to elocute? Is elocute a word or just elocution? Elocution is a word. Um, <laughs> I've never taken any, taken any classes for that. But, I mean, I when I was a kid, one thing that was always, like, it got me in a lot of trouble in school or even, like, in my own house sometimes was I've always had a very loud voice that carries. And mm -hmm. so that would be, you know, Raina stopped talking in the back of the classroom. Or uh, I remember being... <laughs> In a, in a drama class that I was in in like grade seven and we were doing a Greek tragedy play and I was, you know, 12, 12 year old girl got cast as the angry father in a, in a play. And I was like, cause my voice, they were like, your voice will work for this. And which is not what you want to tell a 12 year old girl <laughs> necessarily. Um, 
But, you know, that I remember being like, oh, wait, there's something good here. Like the, 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 they said, like, you know, you've got a power to your voice. And I remember that being very uh, like something that stuck in my head. Um, but, yeah, I guess, you know, in my career, there have been things. We do things called air checks when you're in radio where you sit down and your boss will take a break that you've done, like a talk break that you've done during your show, randomly choose one play it for you and then critique it in front of you and you like go through it, which at first is horrifying because (laughs) no one likes the sound of their own voice. Um, I'm used to mine now, but uh, you know, there were certain things, there are certain things that you're kind of told. One was uh, low and slow. So, you know, especially they said at the time, and I don't know if this still holds true now, but as a woman working in rock radio, they were like, slow down and speak a little lower because it sounds better on air. Um, So that was something I've always had to remind myself when I get excited, I start talking like this and I start talking faster and I start getting higher. But when you're talking about a song, you want to be a little bit, you know, (laughs) keep it down here. And so it's the kind of thing that kind of comes with practice. And then that you do have to remind yourself, like even now, if I'm doing my show today, when I, when I actually read my show today, what I'm going to do after I talk to you, uh, I have to remind myself to like keep your feet flat on the floor. Don't like twist around because sometimes I'll just end up like talking really weird. Like I might talk to someone at a bar or something, like yeah. turn sideways, and that all messes with your actual tone of your voice. Oh my god, that's so so interesting to me. Um, I mean, so you we, must have to think about that stuff when you're singing. I, you you would think that I do but i i don't i just do it and every once in a while if something goes wrong i'll think uh like i used to lose my voice when i would drink a lot of red wine and i realized it was because acid reflux i mean you you probably know about all that kind of stuff right yes i'm just drinking a car i just took a sip of a carbonated beverage which is like (laughs) don't do that Uh, (laughs) so i haven't learned it that well yet uh but yeah they say don't eat yogurt and don't drink milk before you talk because it's like i mean i don't even need to explain that i feel like it's you just know as soon as you hear someone say that, you're like, oh, ew, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are definitely things that can uh, can affect it. Um, so having just been interviewed by you for World Cafe, I think, and, and I, I don't think that this is in your arsenal necessarily, unless you do it in a really subtle way. But I wonder about, because we we have to build a narrative. Like in your job, you sort of have to, you know, build up through conversation, a narrative that will give the listener an experience. Right. And in narrative structure, so much of it is built on conflict. And I, like for me, I just had a friend reach out to this morning and say, Hey, I listened to a bunch of your wheels off. And I think they would be better if you were more confident, confrontational with your guests. And I thought that sounds terrible. I do not want to do that. But I wonder if you ever find yourself pushing people, trying to get them to go to an uncomfortable place, talk about something that they seem unwilling to talk about. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, I think part of that, I think the confrontational thing, it also depends on who you are as a person. Like, I'm not really the kind of person who's like, well, what the hell? Like, tell me, like, you know, to to really push someone to a very, very uncomfortable place. I mean, maybe with practice, I'm not sure. Maybe also depends on who I'm talking to. When I'm talking to musicians, usually I'm not like, hey, I want to get you. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there are delicate subjects that we'll sometimes uh, have to talk about. And a lot of it comes to how you form an interview in general, like overall, when you're looking at how you'd like to put it together. So, you don't want to start with that thing, right? You want to develop 
uh, rapport and you want to make sure that the person that you're talking to trusts that you're not out to make them look bad, right? Or look like a jerk, you know, they might say something that makes them look bad on their own, <laughs> but I don't, you know, I, I'm not there to to do that necessarily. Um, but yeah, it kind of, it really does come down to really like paying attention to what their body language is, what their voice is like, um, sort of reading how willing they've been to open up about other things before that part. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, there are moments like I can't right now, I can't think of a specific example, but you know, when you have to push a little bit and you can feel that like, Oh gosh, like in my own, like I will feel that like in my own chest being like, okay, I'm going to try. And like, hopefully it'll be okay. You'd be surprised how willing people usually are to talk about stuff. Uh, if you just push a little bit harder. Um, and also, I also make sure before every interview to tell people, you know, if we get to something, I think I told you this too, you know, if we, if I bring up something that you really, really feel uncomfortable talking about, you can tell me, we'll move on. You know, I don't want to put you in a really uncomfortable position. I think that serves two purposes. One, you know, it, I mean what I say, but two, it also makes sure that the person I'm talking to knows that I'm not going to try to like mess with them and they know they have a way out if they want to. And I think sometimes that makes you less likely to take the way out. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's such a lesson in that if you are asking a question and you're feeling uh, that, that pang of fear, that little bit of thing, as you say, you realize you're stepping into potentially dangerous territory and, and then that sometimes is the thing that often, in fact, probably gets you the best stuff, right? Yeah. Like that, oh, that's so juicy. I, I noticed something on a social media today where Dan Wilson, formerly of Semisonic, now of a million hit songs fame. Right. Um, Dan Wilson, who often he's such a great follow because he gives a lot of songwriting tips on his thing. And he said, when you when you have a stack of songs and you're trying to pick the single Pick this, go find the song that is the most embarrassing to you. Oftentimes, that is the song that should be the single. I love that so much because it's like, yeah, you, if you can, I'm trying to figure out exactly, like, I'm trying to find like the heart of what that means, but I guess it's like if you can express something that like you are embarrassed about, or I mean, it'll feel true, I guess. Maybe you it's that there's truth in vulnerability. Yeah. Or maybe vulnerability is like an alarm bell that's going off that's letting you know you're getting close to something that's really true. Yeah. Oh, that's be beautiful. You know, and for, I mean, you know, one thing for me that I found like a bit of a challenge when I started doing interviews the way that I do them now is that I had gone from speaking directly to the listener a lot of the time, you know, as hosting hosting a live show and being like, you know, you're getting up, having your coffee, here's a song to get you through your morning or whatever, to talking to somebody so say I'm talking to you, Rhett, it would be like, I'm speaking to you, but I know that there's a listener who's listening, who I need to be sort of their representative in this conversation. So I'm trying to build rapport with you and then also make sure that they understand what's going on. And so one thing I was worried about was like talking about myself, like you might in a normal conversation when you're like sort of commiserating with someone. So someone says, oh, you know, I've had this crazy experience. And then I might say in a regular conversation, it's like, oh, that's kind of like the time this happened to me. But that's not what the interview is about, right? So it's like finding that way of of, of making sure that somebody understands that you get their truth, kind of, 
without making it about yourself at the same time. It's a tricky like dance. It really is. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I've spent my life being interviewed and now I've got two years of of doing this, just even though it's every two weeks, a little 30 minute conversations. But still, it's it's a tricky thing because I, of course, will will want to say, you know, I mean, it's not just the the idea of like, oh, I have a similar experience to what you're describing. But, you know, the millions of um, conversational paths that could be followed at any given moment. And now, of course, like I'm looking at you in your uh, office and I see you have a copy of Infinite Jest. I just want I'm dying to ask you about that. Oh, it looks like you read that. It's uh, I have read it, by the way. <laughs> took me a very long time. I used it as a yoga block sometimes. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, did Was it worth it? Actually, it was worth it. It was. Yeah. I, you know, it took me an embarrassingly long time. I don't even want to tell you how much time, but um, it was worth it. As soon as I finished it, I was like, oh, now I want to read it again because I understand what was happening. Because the that's payoff. the thing that takes so long is that for so much of it, you're like, what is going on right now? So at least yeah. that was my read on it, but it's great. I Yeah, I, it's been a long time and I, I just was thinking about rereading it and wondering if it would hold up. It, I feel like now's the time to do it. Well, it's how much of it you think about like a lot of it was centered around the idea of video conferencing. Do you remember that whole like uh, he talked he had predicted sort of video calls and then people yeah. put on fake masks because they don't like yes. the way they look. And here yes. you and I are on Skype right now. It's really happening. It's so weird. <laughs> So, but well, I know, I know what you mean about those tangents. You know, the other day I was, uh, I was interviewing um, Connor Oberst from Bright Eyes, and there's a whole part of one of the tracks on their new record that's a recording of him and his mom and his uh, ex-wife doing mushrooms together. And <laughs> we went down. Connor Oberst and, and Nate Walcott and I started talking about mushrooms, not even just the psychedelic ones, but just like mushrooms in general. And it just like started going. And I'm like, this, we aren't going to be able to use a bunch of this in the final cut of this interview. And I wish I could just talk about this with you guys forever. Cause it's like when you find stuff that you're genuinely excited to talk about, <laughs> it's hard to not keep going. Oh my God. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> Okay, so it's funny, the idea of you as a person, um, but also interviewing people, but you have to sit there and be inside your own head while you're doing the interview. And I, I wonder, um, is is it ever hard? Do you ever have things that just are bouncing around inside your head, making it super hard for you to do this interview? Do you ever have self-doubts that come up and make you feel like you're going to just completely blow it? What do you... What do you deal with and how do you deal with it? Oh, that is a great question because, I mean, yes, in the short answer, yes, I do have that happen. Um, I mean, one really quick thing is if I'm on the phone with someone, I found it is useful to close my eyes because I would start reading my own notes while they were talking to me. And then I'd forget, like, I would realize I'm like, I am not paying attention to what I like. I might have lost the plot on what they're saying. Uh, so closing my eyes helped a lot. Um being on Zoom calls is weird because I can see my own face and that it like will get you in your head. But I guess when it comes to the actual interviewing itself, yeah, I mean, the most important thing, it's like the biggest number one thing people will say about interviewing is like, you have to listen, listen, pay attention because you never know what they might say that might lead you down another path or, you know, that. And but it does happen where say someone will say so, like say something in an interview and I have it kind of blocked out and where I want to go. And they say something that opens up a question that I was going to ask them in like 10 minutes. 
then I'm like, okay, how do I move this back up here? How do, what am I going to put there instead? Where are we going to go? How do I reshape this now on the fly to, uh, to make it make sense while still listening to what they're actually saying right now? Um, so yeah, it can definitely, it's, it can be really challenging. I mean, the first priority has to be like listening to what they're actually saying. Um, but you know, I, I know I've had, especially like at the, closer to the beginning, it still happens now and then, of course, but like closer to the beginning of this job, there would be times where I would start feeling uncertain about a question that I had planned for later on. And uh, as I got closer to it, I would think about that thing up, right? Where I'm like, oh no, like maybe this isn't the right thing to say. Maybe this isn't the right question to ask. And like, then it comes up and you're like, well, <laughs> I have to go for it. Um, there was one when I was on the phone with uh, Willie Nelson. He, I had never interviewed him before. And um, he is somebody who has very brief, succinct answers. And I had a ton of stuff prepared. And we got through, you know, four or five pages of questions in about 15 minutes. And I had like 40 minutes with him. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, okay, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. And I had some notes at the bottom of my thing that I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to turn these into questions like right now. And I started asking a question that was like, I was cobbling it together in my mind from the note I had written. And like, as I was saying it out loud and when I was done asking it, like I knew that it didn't make sense. I knew it. Like I knew it. I'm like, I'm just going to say it. And then maybe it'll work. And he said, I'm sorry, what was the question? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. And then I like went back and tried, like took what I'd sort of done and then like refined it a little more into a question. And I don't even remember what it was now, but uh, it worked out okay. But like, yeah, you can definitely get stuck in your head like that. And once you get stuck in your head, things can, if you're, if you're not, if you don't calm yourself down, things can like snowball a little bit if you're feeling that nervous. Because I think people can also sense nervousness, you know, when you're, when you're talking to them. Um, which can also make them change the way that they talk to you. And so that can be a weird chain reaction. Boy, it's as I'm listening to you describe it, it's such a performative job. I mean, you're having to like, uh, I've always thought um, stand up comedy was maybe the hardest job. Walk up on stage, you have nothing, but they have prepared bits, routines. Uh, you do have written questions, but you have to be so present in the conversation and create on the fly this this conversation you're having. It's a lot more like improv mm -hmm. than stand-up comedy because it's like you're paying attention, you're looking, you're you're listening and paying attention to this other person. You want to take care of them, which is a big thing in improv where it's like you want to take care of the other person who's on stage with you. Um, and it's like that, again, like that yes and idea of improv as well where like somebody says something, it's like, okay, let's let's go with that. Like, let's see where this goes. So I'd say it's a little bit more like that. And thank goodness I did do some improv uh, as a younger person. So that's good. Um, but uh, yeah. The other weird thing that I, I find I uh, think about a lot more now that I'm doing a lot of video is um, what do I do with my face? <laughs> do, does it look like I'm listening? Does it look like I'm reading my notes? Where are my eyes going? Uh, what am I doing with my hands? Like, and when I would do stuff in studio, I would, that was a big one was what do I do with my hands right now? Like I found myself like fidgeting because I'd be like, I want to make sure that I 
you know, am I touching my face too much? Do you think I'm like doing this like chin on my hand? Does it look too performatively listening? Like all these things are going through my head all the time. You have to just not think about yourself. I've tried to, I've now like tried to block my own face on Zoom calls because I'm like, if this was a normal conversation, I wouldn't see my own face at all. And I wouldn't be thinking about it. Oh, that's so funny. I guess, yeah, my, right now when I see you're 90% of my screen and I have a tiny little square that's me and I'm able to not look at me. Yeah. Thank, thank goodness. <laughs> I love that. It's funny. It's almost like so much of what you're saying about the solutions that you've come up with are really about sort of being present, like just being in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that like for me is has been you know that's kind of a challenge i mean i think it's challenging for everyone to be present i think that's why there's so many you know things about mindfulness or like people's you know talking about living in the moment like it wouldn't be such a uh a theme for you know inspirational quotes if it uh if it was easy um but you know i've always i've i have adhd which makes things trickier because i'm just like oh what's happening over there um i i've always had like Ever since I was a kid, uh, anxiety. I think about like what's coming next all the time. I worry about things constantly. Uh, in my daily life, I have a very hard time sometimes being present. And medit or like I would say, interviewing is kind of in a weird way like meditating. I know when I talked to you when I had you on World Cafe, I emailed you after. I said, you know, this morning I was having like kind of a bad day. I was like really worried about just the state of the world. I was, you know kind of freaked out about just everything that's going on. What is my, when am I going to go back to Philadelphia from Toronto? What is everything going to be like all this stuff? And I was thinking about it. And then we sat down for our interview and it puts you, you know, puts me right in the moment with you. I have to be with you in that moment. I have to be talking to you. I have to be there. And I can't think about all that stuff. And after it was over, I felt a hundred times better. Um, Partly because of you, because you're great, <laughs> but also because of that sort of mental uh, space that you have to go into to do it. I've discovered that in having these conversations about creativity with people who do jobs that are essentially creative, that so much of uh, what we do requires um, entering like a meditative state. And it's and because of that, I know for me, this is true. It becomes really therapeutic to get yeah. to do it. And yes. that, speaks, that speaks to what you're saying about the anxiety kind of washing away, have, being able to do your job. For sure. I mean, I remember even when I was doing live radio, because live radio is kind of the same as the interview part. Like, you have to be on. You don't have a choice. And like with live radio, too, you know, you are – you have a clock. It tells you when the microphone is going to be turned on. And if you're not ready, then it's not happening. And you're the only one who can do it. And you have to do it. Um, and I remember going through like – I'd be going through a breakup. I'd be like miserable. I'd be so upset and I'd have to go to work and be like, hey, what's going on? I'm Raina. This is blah, blah, blah. Um, and I found it always helped. It was like my favorite part of the day was going into the studio and being like, well, I know what I have to do here. I know that I have to be here for this. And I can't just like sit and dwell and like, you know, check my phone and wonder what's going to happen and, and feel sorry for myself or whatever. I have to, to be right here right now. And it's about other people too, which is, is also good. You know, it's about making sure the listener uh, is knows what's going on. Or, or you, it's about improving the listener's day. It's about having a real conversation and connecting with your the person you're interviewing. It's about you know worrying about other people instead of about me. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's like it's 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 a service. You're doing a service. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, okay, so finally, if you were to go back and find a 21-year-old version of you working in 2020, um, what advice would you give yourself? Ooh, well, that's a good question. I mean, I would say, first of all, for me, one thing is like just be interested in everything. Um, I think that that's one thing that has like helped me get to where I am is because I just love to learn stuff. I love the part of my job that is research. I love people. I love, uh, you know, I love music of course, but I like learning about all the stuff outside of just the song. Um, so there's that like learn, learn stuff, be interested in stuff. Um, and remember, I guess that like you, I feel like for me, so much of my career, got, I got to where I am because I did things I wasn't necessarily supposed to do. Now, I'm sure <laughs> if my bosses are listening, they won't like to hear that necessarily. But, you know, it was being that loudmouth in my high school class. Uh, the first time I ever got on air, it was because I just like kept asking different people to let me go on air with them to talk about stuff we had done online. Uh, and then one day the program director at the station was like, what are you doing on air all the time? You're, you're supposed to ask me for permission. Anyway, you sound good. Do you want to try doing it? And I was like, yes, please. Um, so like, you know, there's going to be parts of yourself that people are going to tell you to uh, tone it down or be quiet or whatever. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it is okay advice for sure. And, and there's a time and a place, but like that core of who you are is the thing that will make you this, as successful as you want to be. Like finding that is the key to getting to where you want to go. Because if you feel like when you're being the truest to yourself is usually the right path for you. I love that. So it sounds like you're recommending being bold. Yeah, I would say being bold. It's funny, though, because if you asked me if I was a bold person, if you said, like, oh, Rain, are you bold? I'd be like, ooh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, I think I just – it's like be you. I, that sounds so corny to say be you. But, um, yeah, I guess be bold is what I'm saying. I guess that is it. <laughs> Maybe it's be bold, but don't be an asshole about it. <laughs> there you go. That's very good advice. I mean, that's always good advice. You know, they always say like that persistence thing is very important when you, you know, especially when you're starting out uh, in radio, at least it's like, you know, send your demo out to everybody, you know, email, follow up, follow up. But it's like, don't follow up too much because <laughs> then you're that annoying person who's following up like every day and nobody wants that either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Raina, I didn't know what to expect um, talking to you today, but I got to say, I feel like there's so much useful stuff in here, not just to kids who might want to grow up and be uh, DJs and interviewers and radio personalities, but just anybody. I feel like I, I'm super impressed by how you do what you do and the way you think about it. So thank you for joining me on Wheels Off today. Thank you so much, Rhett. Woo! Oh, that was so fun. That's I crazy. knew that question was coming to you because I've listened to a bunch. Uh, and I'm like, I know this question. I forgot before we started. I was like, I wasn't thinking about it. I'm like, how are you going to answer that? I was thinking about it the other day. And I'm like, I don't know. I'll think about that later. And then I <laughs> totally forgot. But you um, I hope that was an okay one. Okay. Oh, it was so good. And I and I worry that it's a little cliche, but I do really just feel like it, it maybe it becomes a useful thing, especially after a half an hour of talking about whatever. That No, it's a great question. I love that question. Like, I'd like to throw that one into my interview sometimes, too. Like, you know, if you go back and talk, talk to a teenage version of yourself, you know, 
I think that I think it's a wonderful question. I just uh, I always it's one of those questions where like when I'm like, oh, what are you listening to right now? Like, what's what's your favorite song right now? Because I'm always listening to so much. I'm always like, don't put me on the spot. But I love doing it to other people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good luck with the rest of your work day. I know it sounds like you're going to be doing a lot. Oh, yeah. I've just got a show to read and then an interview to prep for tomorrow. And I'm good to go. Who's tomorrow? Tomorrow I'm talking to um, the Prison Music Project. So Ani DeFranco and uh, Zoe Bookbinder, who I'm not as familiar with yet. Um, And it's about a project that they are doing or that they did where they went into prisons and did songwriting workshops. And then because they couldn't bring recording equipment in, they took the songs and then they recorded them uh, themselves. Um, And then they used some recordings they did over the phone in the jails. So it's fascinating. It's like, it's a really beautiful, really beautiful project. Yeah. Yeah. What are you up to? God, um, at five o'clock, I have an interview or something. And they, it's funny because they sent me the questions ahead of time and they're insane. The questions are insane. They're like, if you guys, we noticed that the cover of your album is a football player. If you guys were a football team, who would play what position? I'm like, guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, that reminds me of like the questions I would ask when I was like, looking at my first radio station. That's nice. <laughs> that sounds so mean. I didn't mean it like that. No, but that's a tough one. <laughs> Whatever. I'm, I'll say that I'm the coach and I get to boss everybody around and then the guys will get pissed off at me. So <laughs> I like that. I think this is a good answer. All right, Raina. Well, hang in there. You too. Keep in touch. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.